Promo Kitchen is an all-volunteer, nonprofit organization committed to the advancement of the promotional products industry through education and mentorship. If you want to get more involved, please visit us on the web at promokitchen.org. One of the ways you can get involved is by donating to our cause. We rely on our community for financial support to help cover the cost of producing our educational content and our networking mixers. You can donate today right from your phone at promokitchen.org slash donate. Thank you so much, and let's get started with the show. This episode of the Promo Kitchen podcast has been brought to you by our friends at Sanmar. Sanmar believes in the power of promotional products. Since 1971, this family-owned apparel supplier has been dedicated to passionately serving customers through trusted brands like Port Authority, Port & Company, Nike Golf, OGO, District, and Sport Tech. You can check them out online at sanmar.com. This podcast is also brought to you by our good friends at the PPAI Expo. Kick the year off at the industry's largest promotional products trade show, January the 14th to 18th, 2018 in Las Vegas. This must-attend event features an exciting preview of thousands of the hottest new products, technology, and trends, the industry's best educational programming presented by thought leaders for professionals at every level, plus CAS, MAS certification credits, and networking for professionals who want to make meaningful connections with industry leaders, top suppliers, and distributors that will drive business growth. It is an absolute must-attend event. Join more than 20,000 industry colleagues, including all of us at Promo Kitchen, at the PPAI Expo in Las Vegas for a full week of insights, learning, and networking. You can register today at ppai.org slash expo. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. We are a community-inspired conversation featuring boundary pushers, rabble-rousers, freaks, and geeks who are shaking up the $20 billion promotional products industry. My name is Mark Graham, co-founder of Common Skew, and I'm joined by fellow chef Dale Denham, CIO of Geiger. We are excited to welcome Alan Tabaski, Vice President of Bell USA, to the podcast today. Bell USA is the parent company of Bell Promo, DiscountMugs.com, and Branders.com. Bell USA has grown tremendously over the last five years and currently has almost 900 domestic employees as well as an overseas office and division. Bell Promo is an industry leader in the promotional products industry in both price and production capabilities. Discount Mugs is an industry leader in the direct-to-consumer promotional market, producing over 1,500 custom-decorated orders each day for both individual consumers and corporate clients. Prior to joining Bell USA, Alan was one of the principals at Hurricane Line, a leading supplier of promotional products before it was merged with Bell Promo in January of 2010. Alan was recently recognized in the 20th position on the ASI Power 50 list. Alan, we are delighted to have you on the program. Welcome, sir. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, and congratulations on that honor. I think that just came out 
at the recent ASI Power Summit. So that's a tremendous honor. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It was a fun event. First time I've been there. And was that your first appearance on the list? It's actually my fourth. Um, so where did you move up from or down to? Or what was your previous position? So my first one four years ago was number 18. The year after that, I was 18. The year after that, which was last year, I was 22. And this time I moved up to 20. And Cy right. as well. Cy was number 20 with me. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations and certainly well-deserved. There's no question that your role and Cy's role, and in particular without a bell, is, is certainly a casting a huge amount of influence on the industry. So, Alan, why don't we start from the beginning? Can you tell us about your background before joining Bell and what you currently do at Bell? Sure. Well, my background, actually, I'll just say for a second. So before promotional products, I was actually in aviation, which people think that's kind of funny because it's actually nothing to do with what we do now. But um, I worked for Pan Am many years ago until they, actually the day they closed. So they closed, they went out of business. So this is part of the company story, my company story. Worked for Pan Am, Avionics, Aviation Electronics. Just got married. We were both kids, my wife and I. She was pregnant after I got married. Okay, she's going to kill me if I make it sound otherwise. Um, <laughs> so Pan Am closes the door. I go home you know, with all my stuff. And her parents did a wholesale business. And I went to work part-time for her parents while I figured out what airline I was going to go join next. Shortly after that, she discovered she was pregnant. She was working for Pricewaterhouse. We both went to go work part-time for her parents. Next thing you know, you know, 20 years pass. And, you know, after working in their wholesale industry for a few years, we found by accident in the early 90s, the promotional products industry, we said, hey, uh, you know, this is kind of what we're doing now. We're, we're importing some product and we're just not decorating. So I met up with, it was Harry Rosenberg, if I remember, from the 90s. And we took some booth space underneath him at the PPI show back in Dallas. That was a long time ago. And set up our first booth, and you know the rest is kind of history. Made a catalog a few years after that, and just started, you know, getting into production and some other things as we moved on. So, did it feel strange to you back in the mid '90s when you were at the PPAI show and your first interaction with the promotional industry? Like, were you trying to wrap your head around these distributors that were coming to you asking about, you know, lead times and spot custom buys? Because I suspect that that was probably very different for you compared to how you had originally started your business. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was really interesting. So everybody who came up to us, and we were in a section of new suppliers. And I think they still have something like that now. Like when you're brand new in the industry, you start over here. So we were over there with the new guys. And everyone who came to us to, to speak was, there were large, there was, I need a quote on 100,000 of this, and we need a quote on 50,000 of this. And it was actually overwhelming, the responses. You know, the products we had were kind of unique at the time, I think. And maybe that's why there was so much, you know, interest. But yeah, it was totally, totally different from what we were doing. And it was interesting. And, you know, I met a lot of, you know, really nice people and, you know, relationships I still have now. It was one of those things where you fall into something and, you know, and you just love it and it becomes part of your life. So, Alan, fast forward to 2010. So, as I said in the introduction, you were growing and building Hurricane Line into a very successful industry supplier. And then in 2010, you merged with Bell. Tell me a little bit about that and why that was an attractive business arrangement for you at the time. Yeah, interesting story there too for me. So I was actually at the PPAI show and this was like in 2006. And there's a guy walking down the aisle dressed in a suit and he stopped by my booth. I had, I think, four booths. 
And I had a few drinkware pieces from, there's an industry supplier that supplies suppliers. I mean, they're still in business now. And I had a couple of drinkware pieces from him. And really what I did, what we did, Hurricane Line did was leather products and we did keychains and pens and smaller type of gift items. And I had these four drinkware pieces up at the front of the booth on the aisle. And the guy comes up, I don't know who he is. And he says, what do you pay for that? And, you know, I tell him a dollar sixty or whatever it was. And he says, I could sell you for a dollar twenty. What do you pay for that? I said, um, $2. He said, oh, I could sell it to you for a buck and a half. I said, okay, who are you? And it was Amin, Amin Rahman, who was the owner of Bill. So we started talking. Or, you know, we're talking about drinkware. And, you know, where are you? You know, where's your company based? I said, well, we're based in Florida. And he said, oh, so am I. And I said, okay, where are you in Florida? He says, well, I'm in Miami. I said, oh, I live in Pembroke Pines. He said, I live in Pembroke Pines. I said, where do you live in Pines? He said, I live here. And I said, well, I live there. And we were literally half a mile from each other. It was the oddest thing. And wow. this is Las Vegas. So after the show's over, come back home, we ended up a couple months later, we ended up talking and, you know, became friends. And I started buying blank product from him because Hurricane Line didn't import drinkware. We imported everything else that we did, but we didn't import drinkware. So I started buying drinkware from Amin and I was selling drinkware like crazy. My production floor is full of drinkware and there's drinkware out in the parking lot, you know, drying in the sun because the, the dryers can't handle it all. I mean, it really was pretty amazing. And you know, it's either I need a bigger building, I need more people, I need more machines, or, you know, let's do something, and, and we did something. Alan, you know, looking back, because I knew you at this time from my role in PPA Florida, and we'd had some conversations, it sounds all good right now, but at the time, that was a little more contentious. There was a lot of thought that had to go into there, because there were some people that weren't going to be too happy when you made that decision. You know, you're absolutely right. So, for me, it was a great decision for us. You know, I got to, I retired my in-laws because it was a family business. You know, my in-laws, my wife and myself and, and all of our employees. So I, I retired them, made the decision to move over. But, you know, I, I did. I called industry friends. You know, I called Bob Bickert from Crown. I was the president of Gold Coast for a couple of years. So I called the people I know at Gold Coast. And there's a few, you know, people that I had reached out to that were friends and, you know, mentors that I would speak to about this. And, you know, we came to Bell and we checked it all out. And, you know, if, if Bell Promo was... I know we're, I'm, I'm leading myself right into this. I know it. So <laughs> if Bell Promo was doing something that they shouldn't have been doing in 2000, before 2010, for instance, before I came on, I wouldn't have done this because I wouldn't have wanted all the, the baggage that comes with that. But we were confident that they didn't, that, you know, I mean, ran the company the way he said he ran the company, which Discount Mugs doing this and Bell Promo doing this. So we were comfortable when we came over. You know, it was tough. I lost some of the, you know, relationships. Like one of them is Geiger. You know, I had... I used to sell the Crestline. And then once I made the deal with Bell and we came over with Bell, I had all these new products to sell. I thought it was great. And really, you know, Crestline didn't think it was great. The important thing is that you had the chance to do the research. You looked ahead. You got to look under the covers. And I think that's one of the things that even I on the outside, and I think at the time this happened, I was still with ASI, I believe, roughly around this time. Or it was definitely before I joined Geiger. And, you know, there was a the consternation because... There were some rumors about Bell and how it did business. And frankly, even when I was at ASI, we looked into those and we never could find anything. And so having you having the chance to hear those things and look and then to still be there seven, eight years later, I think speaks volumes. Because again, those of us who knew you before and those of us who still have known you all this time, we know that you are a man of your word. And if things were not running the way that you thought they were running, you would not still be there. Yeah, 100%. We had done business with Bell buying blanks for three years before we started working together. So I was already familiar with the company. I'd already, 
I knew all the employees from those three years and I was comfortable in the company. I was there three, four times a week picking a product and talking and negotiating. And, you know, I, I knew what was going on. So I, I was confident. So what do you think is Bell's today? If you look, okay, now it's eight years later. What do you think the unique advantage of the the supplier side of Bell has in the marketplace compared to other suppliers? Well, we have a couple of unique advantages. We have a lot of products and a lot of different products. We were very strong in drinkware, which I consider us to be like the drinkware kings. You know, when it comes to glassware and ceramics and travel mugs and things, you know, we have probably the biggest selection of anyone out there. We're an e-commerce company. I consider ourselves an e-commerce company, Bell Promo as well. So we have technology behind the scenes that people don't see. We have a totally paperless production environment. So our orders move seamlessly through the system. And that's something that I know is an advantage over most other companies. So we're also very entrepreneurial still, like we were back, you know, back in the day when I started with the company. So we move quickly. So if we have a, something new that we want to implement in the company, we can actually sit down, we come up with our game plan, you know, we chart it all out and we do it. You know, so we, we move quick. There's not a lot of red tape. Interesting. So the entrepreneurial side is what your key advantage is in the fact that you're able to keep all the inventory and such that you do. I want to jump on something. You, you just also said something about being paperless and having seamless integration with the order flow all the way through. How important do you think integration is between suppliers and distributors, whether it's through ASI, Sage, or Promo Standards? Is this something that's really important to the Bell side of your business? It is, and we're involved with the Promo Standards. We're becoming more involved. It's difficult because everybody uses a little bit of different terminology, and everything's a little bit different, and some systems are way ahead of other systems, so I don't think it's as easy as people may think it is, you know, when you first start discussing it. I agree with you on that. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure that you're well aware of all that. So we've implemented some parts of promo standards and we're working on others. I know, you know, Hit's a leader with the promo standards, Eric. So we worked with him and we are working with him. We'll we'll all get there. You know, everybody just needs to be able to share their information and, and be open. Sometimes suppliers, I guess distributors too, but suppliers can be a little closed, you know, about their information, you know. So there's some of it that we all have to share in order to get to that next spot in the industry. And I I think we're all headed there. We're trying to head there. Alan, what industry competitor do you fear the most? Well, we have large competitors. I'd say my two largest competitors are Hit and Bullet. Just because of the type of product range that they carry and their pricing structure, it's all similar to ours. But at the same time, we have really good relationships with our competitors. I consider, you know, many of them my friends. You know, the industry is full of great people. I don't really fear anybody. I think what I kind of fear, what I think is our biggest threat moving forward is probably the company that is not here yet or probably one. It's not somebody that's here. It's not Amazon, to be honest. I know we'll probably get into that later. It's somebody new, somebody small. It's a low-end disruptor who can come in with a super low pricing model. There's not a lot of expenses. They can be simplified. You know, our industry is very complicated, very complicated in pricing. You know, one color, two color, three color, setup charges, backside. You know, there's all kinds of parameters to our pricing model. Kind of an Amazon type of model, you know, where you have one price, you click on the button, it's there and it's gone and it's done. You know, that's the disruption that that could happen soon. I mean, I think it's a good segue to talk about competitors that are likely not here at the moment. And why don't we talk about Amazon and companies like Alibaba that 
I think for all intents and purposes, aren't really in the promotional products proper industry just yet. And what I mean by that is it's not like they're walking the floors or well, they may be walking the floor, but they're certainly not exhibiting as you know legitimate places to buy promotional products through the channel. Do you see an Alibaba or an Amazon really taking a legitimate run at the supplier or even the distributor side of this business? And with all of their engineers and their access to capital and just their complete leadership in the technology and e-commerce front, could they not come in and completely bulldoze a Bell and a Branders and a Foreign Print with just all of their creativity and their limitless capital. So I know it's an ominous question, but I mean, I'd be curious on your answer there. They really decided to focus their energies in this market. Well, you know, they're focused in a lot of markets. I guess eventually, I think they'll make their way here. And I know they're in it a little bit. They're dabbling a little bit. But I think where the Amazon threat is in our industry is more one-piece personalization. You know, we've talked about this here at Bell before. So more like a Shutterfly type of thing, maybe, you know, Zazzle Shutterfly, which is the one piece items, you know, sublimated full color party gifts to consumer, which seems to be, you know, really their model, their to consumer model. I really think if I was, you know, San Mario Alpha Broder, if I was a, a wholesaler of apparel, yep. I think that's, that would be my biggest fear. And this is what Amazon does, right? This is what they're great at, the pick and pack. Yep. And, you know, they're starting their Amazon, I forget what they call it, the Amazon delivery service or, you know, competing against FedEx and UPS. Yep. And when they actually roll that out and now they're selling blank apparel, they're delivering Hanes tomorrow or in two days on Amazon Prime with free shipping. I think yep. it's going to be tough. I completely agree with you. And Dale, I'd be interested in your perspective on this as well. But we actually published an article, I think it was a year or two ago, about the potential impact that Amazon would have in our industry. And we just looked at it really more from the supplier side. Like if Amazon were to come in and become a supplier, what that would look like. And I agree, the supplier firms that are set up as more like wholesale distribution outfits, I think would be in real trouble because as you say, Amazon is really good at warehousing. They're very good at pick and packing, very good at accepting orders and through their prime platform could deliver free. And in many cases, they could deliver same day. So if a distributor could go and buy 78 mixed color, mixed size Hanes shirts for seven cents less than they could get it at one of the leading supplier firms, then why wouldn't they, provided that Amazon delivered it on time and you know provided credit or all that stuff? So I think that where firms like Discount Mugs and Bell are better positioned is that there is that added layer of complexity that Amazon, at least for now, has not really figured out. I think that they're trying to channel that through more of their marketplace partners whereas the promotional industry seems to be very, very good at adding that value when it comes to that additional complexity. So I don't know. Dale, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I guess I will add, and then I'll change the subject just because I personally get tired of the whole Amazon conversation. And, and I bet if we look back in two years, I'll be wrong with whatever I say. But I think that Amazon continues to push us more than be a competitor, which is they just change the mindset. And I even look at the Amazon business-to-business where they're trying to get everybody to buy office supplies and such through their business portal. And it's doing very well. I mean, by any of our standards, we'd be happy to have it, but they're still pushing it because it's not getting traction as much as they would like it to get. So I think the business buyers are a tougher sell for Amazon. And I think as they get to that place, then we're going to see a potential bigger competitor. In general, my thoughts on Amazon is they set the bar very high. They help us all aspire to do more. And I look at them 
for suppliers and distributors and say, great, let's keep trying to do what they do. At the same time, I'm mad because they get to play with fake money because of all the money they have from the stock market, and that's much tougher for the rest of us, but still makes the industry better. But I'm going to flip over to a question I want to ask you, Alan, and get your estimate on this. PPAI does a study on what the estimate of industry online sales is, and I'm curious what you think the online sales in the industry are, and even if you're wrong, what do you think they'll be in five years from now, So we get, or maybe even 10, so five and 10 years? How much is online a component today of our industry, and what's it going to be in five to 10 years? And I think that ties into how much Amazon might be able to play, either because we don't move quick enough, or because everything's moving and they're so much better than we are. Yeah, so, you know, I I really like the, you know, PPI comes up with all the stats and charts and things, and I've always been a big fan of that. And I think they had said, I don't know, Dale, maybe you can correct me, but like 3 or $4 billion or something, right, was the yeah, online 20% sales? 20% is what they say, yeah. Right, 20%. So let's say $4 billion or $4.5 billion. But I don't really think it's that high because I think you'll take, a, let's say, just come up, for instance, and you'll have uh, half the sales or more than half the sales or whatever come in online, you know, without anybody touching it. But, you know, some of the other sales, they take a lot of people and they take a lot of sales, just like, you know, the other online guys, all of them, you know, for imprint, for instance, their $400 million is not, you know, all online, right? They have the catalog channel and there's different channels for them. So I don't know if I really think it's that high as $4 billion. I'm thinking more like 10% of the industry is probably really an online sale. I would say 40% in five years and maybe 70 in 10. I know it's going to go up a lot as we get more streamlined, like, like as we are, we're already pushing the envelope. I mean, and maybe we'll talk about it later, but there's a lot of things we have planned for 2018 here at Bell. And then as we do things, other people are going to follow. And that's just the way it works. And once you disrupt the old way of doing things, everybody has to try to keep up, which is what we're doing because of Amazon. Just like you mentioned before, you know, Amazon has kind of changed the game and you need to stay ahead of the curve. So I think it's about 10% now. And I think it's gonna be a lot more in five years, like I said, 40%. And, and I would say 70 and 10, but I don't know if you can get much more than the 70. I think those are fair numbers. I mean, I think they're as good as any guess out there. And let's say the 40% in five years. So what does that do to the consultative salesperson? Are they in trouble? You know, because if I'm getting a million dollars in business today and I'm a consultative salesperson and 40% of that's going to move online, am I going to now be seeing $600,000 in business as a consultative salesperson? No, I don't think so. I think as a consultative salesperson, I think you're okay. I think the I'm saying small, and I don't necessarily mean a consultative sales team or sales company has to be a small company. But I just mean that niche of the market, I think, is going to be fine. I think the commodity type of online, you just wanted 100 of this and you just, you know, whatever, that larger online type of distributor is going to be fine. I think it's the group in the middle that's going to have problems. Once you have your customer base, you service them with a white glove service, you've got a niche going. I do think you're going to be fine. Even after five years? Because you said 70% potentially within 10 years. At that point, are we going to see there's still room for them, but is it really going to be those consultative salespeople are the only people left doing that 30% for the most part? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. You know, everybody's going to be move more towards e-commerce as time goes on also. Even the consultative person is going to move more towards e-commerce. I think they'll have tools that will just help you know that much more productive. If we take a, a step or two back, can you tell us about Bell's corporate structure 
and the relationship between Bell Promo and Discount Mugs? Sure. Well, Bell Corporate Structure is Bell USA as the parent company. Bell USA owns DiscountMugs.com. They own Branders.com. They own Bell Promo. So the story here, and you know, some people know, some people don't know or don't remember. You know, time flies, right? I was a kid when I started here, and I'm not a kid anymore. So Discount Mugs started around. You know, if I get the year wrong, you know, forgive me, but it's like around 1995 or so, roughly. As, you know, online distributor, that's all they did. They advertised on Google. They were online. So Bell Promo started roughly 12 years, 10, 12 years after Discount Mugs. It wasn't the other way around. So Bell Promo started around 2005, 2007. I think the first catalog, I think, was 2009. So Discount Mugs was online. They were advertising on Google. They're everywhere. Distributors were calling discount mugs. They would find a product online. You're searching for a travel mug. You're just looking. They'll see some, you know, the price is good. Maybe there was free shipping at that time. To be honest, in the 90s, I don't know if there was. But they found these products online. They would call up, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so. You know, do you have a rep who can come visit me? I see you have a lot of great products. They said, listen, we, you know, this is an online model. We don't have reps. Well, I want to apply for credit because our company is 100 years old. And, you know, we have salespeople all over. And said, well, sorry, we're a credit card model. That was discount mugs. They were they were new on the internet. The internet was new in the nineties. Or not the internet was new, but you know what I'm saying? E commerce yeah, right. was new in the nineties. Yep. So they, they weren't set up for this new group of, of customers that were finding them online. So a few years later they started, you know, like I said, in two thousand five or six or seven, whatever it was, they started Bell Promo. So it wasn't that Bell Promo was here in the nineties and ten years later I said, Hey, look, we've got this great database we can mine. We have this great group of customers, you know, they're buying direct, you know, end users, I mean, and, and they pay more. So let's go ahead and start Discount Mugs. It wasn't that way at all. It was Discount Mugs 10 years before Bell Promo was ever thought of. And they opened up Bell Promo because there was a need in the industry. I mean, it was, you know, consumer born. Right. And then if you think about it, it made a ton of sense to bring you on in 2010 because you're someone who understood the supplier side and understood how to deal with the peculiarities of the distributor market and their demands to be able to go and scale that side of the operation. So I, I think that that's really interesting. It certainly makes a lot of sense as to why you would have diversified into another area. And you certainly see lots of companies with the industry that do that. I know, Dale, certainly with your experience at Geiger, that you've got your online business with Crestline. Even right. to some extent, you could say that that's been my experience, that we started as a distributor still have a distributorship and had a very successful piece of technology that we had written internally and then decided to commercialize it and sell it to the rest of the industry. And so I think that these things happen all the time. I think that a lot of it just comes down to how transparent one is in terms of communicating the relationship between those two firms. Do you have any comment, Alan, about some of the industry's perception, misguided or otherwise, about discount mugs? and Bell Promo in terms of some nefarious relationship between the two? Or is that just a tired argument and should we just move on from it? But I feel I just wanted to ask the question because it may be the kind of thing someone who's listening to this goes, why don't you ask that question, Mark? So I'm asking it now. Right. Well, I think it's a tired question because I've been hearing it since the day I started or actually even before I started. Is why, like I mentioned to you, you know, I checked it all out before I came here, you know, so I wouldn't have to go type of things. But I mean, I understand. I understand people's fears. You know, it is a tough thing. The way the industry runs, you know, distributors operate on this side of the fence, suppliers on this side of the fence. I get all that. We're totally separated over here between Bell Promo and Discount Mugs. 
it's been ever since, you know, since I started here. Bell Promo's on this side, you know, the building. It's a 350,000 square foot building. Discount Mugs is there. Accounting systems and people are different and customer service and sales. And everything is totally, totally different. Yeah. If there was, this is 2017, but even in 2010, if there were things going on, everybody would know. I mean, you would have... You would have pictures, right? You would have things. I mean, this is the information age. This is in 1972 I know. where you had the sense. You know what I mean? So yeah. right. this doesn't happen at all. And it doesn't make sense for it to happen. The average customer lifetime value on a discount mugs order is so much less, a tenth of what it is on Bell Promo. You know, and the average order size on discount mugs, which sells 12-piece and 25-piece and 50-piece items, is so much smaller than the average order on a Bell Promo. When you have a Bell Promo customer, you have a customer for years and you have you have orders every day, you have orders every week, you have orders every month. It makes yep. no fiscal sense, you know, yep. to do what people say goes on, but it just doesn't happen. Just not true. If I may, I'll just make this one comment and then I want to pass it over to Dale. But there was an article that ASI had written in the aftermath of the ASI Power Summit that just took place a few days ago. And there was a discussion with one of your colleagues, Sai Kapaka. And the article quotes, it says, according to Kapaka, discount mugs catches smaller scale orders, perhaps $1,000 each, whereas Bell's distributor clients are placing much larger orders in the tens of thousands of dollars. We would never steal a customer. He assured the audience it makes no financial sense for us to do so. And I think that that really underscores what you're talking about there. And I think if I also remember back a few minutes ago in our conversation, you're talking about which distributors are the ones that are going to be gone. You say it's not the consultative distributors, but it's that smaller transaction-only order-taking distributor is likely the person who is going to be gone. And it's interesting, if you look at a lot of those order transaction-only type distributors, a lot of those distributors are doing orders that are less than $1,000. And those are the ones that discount mugs and Crestline and for imprint and all those other sites are doing. So you can see that their days are really are numbered. So I, I thought that was an interesting quote. And I quote that from the ASI publication. Yeah. You know, the only thing I think they may have kind of not quite got right was the average order and discount mugs as well is much, much less than a thousand dollars. I think what Sai was saying was the, the value of that customer, like an average customer may do a thousand dollars of orders over their life where the average Bell promo customer you know, business distributor customer does, you know, tens of thousands of dollars over their, their lifetime value. Got it. So, Alan, you know, we've talked a lot about Amazon and suppliers and distributors. I now want to kind of wrap it up and, and not the, the whole conversation, but those topics and say, you know, many people are afraid of Alibaba cutting out the supplier and the distributor and just going direct to the end buyer. Given the, as you just said, the fact that it's 2017 and people can find whatever information they want, what do you think in a few more years the supplier-distributor relationship is going to look like? How is it all in, in, the, in the buyer as well? You know, there's a lot of people these things are going through. What's your opinion? And again, this is a little like the Amazon, what's going to happen in five years. But I always like to hear what other people think is going to happen as China in particular becomes more adept at sending small minimum quantity orders over here. Yeah, you know... They can. I mean, Alibaba is definitely a disruptor, I think, in our industry, but there's only certain things that they're going to be able to do, right? You know, I actually had bought plastic, like business cards, you know, informational cards off of Alibaba. I flew in 500 pieces, you know, it was very inexpensive. I did it for a friend of mine. So sure, you can find, but you, it's those type of things is what you're going to end up doing. It's going to be small, lightweight, 
things that are higher value, like, you know, you're not going to fly in 10 cent pens, you know, with an imprint from Alibaba, I don't believe. But I, I just don't really feel that they're a threat. I mean, if that conversation's been going on for about five years, and I don't feel that it's any more of a threat now than it was then. They just haven't got there. And, you know, drinkware and glass and ceramics and, you know, travel mugs and tote bags are heavy and bulky. And those are just not things that you're going to buy and fly in. Those are the bigger products in our industry. So you think it's as much about the timing of the order? In other words, they can't do it fast enough and cheap enough shipping-wise. Exactly, right, right. And then you have the okay. product safety on top of everything else. You know, that's that's the big talk of the town, right? That's that's where everything is going. You need to be safe. You need to be compliant. And how can you do that when you're buying directly from a factory in, in China and you're flying it in, you know, through Alibaba? Because, you know, when, when we do our safety inspections, and the other top suppliers do theirs, and products are rejected, which you know that they are here and there, Where, where's it going to go? I'm, I'm sure they're not throwing anything out, right? It's going to, <laughs> right. I'm not saying it's going to them. I'm just saying that somebody's going to get it, whether, you know, it's going to be the people that are not checking, and that's, that's what I mean. Right, right. So you're buying millions of dollars worth of goods, where even if an end buyer goes over there to buy $20,000 worth of goods, they don't care if they ever get that order again, because they sold their 20000 and they're done. So... So you brought in another yeah, perspective exactly. with the product safety and, and, and as well as the quality overall. So very good. Mark, back to you. So, Alan, what kinds of distributors and suppliers do you think specifically will thrive in the next five or 10 years? Well, on the supplier side, I really believe it's the suppliers that carry a lot of different product ranges, like a supplier that does only pens, a supplier that does only stress balls, maybe, you know, I, I just don't see it. I think you need to be similar to the endless aisle, you know, like Amazon kind of does, yep. is really the, is what's going to make it. The larger suppliers that, you know, that have the buying power, that have the technology and the warehouses, that if they don't have the technology today, they can put the resources, you know, forward and they can, you know, put it into their plan moving forward into the future and they need to streamline, they need to get things done faster cheaper, better, you know, than their smaller competitors. I think they'll be okay. Right. But smaller suppliers, I think they're going to have trouble. And the, the one or two category suppliers, I don't think they're going to make it either. There'll be a lot of consolidation. I'm not right. saying they won't make it. You know, people are going to be upset maybe when they hear me talk like this. But I think it's, you know, it's time for people to maybe consolidate a little bit and partner up with other suppliers. And you know what I'm saying, like like that. Right. And with distributors, I think it's kind of what I said before. It's the niche distributors, the ones that actually provide a lot of value and packaging and consultative services, and then the large online transactional, streamlined, paperless, you know, they have the API systems working with their suppliers, you know, it's cost down and their pricing is down and, and they, they know how to advertise online. And I think those guys will make it too. I really think it's, it's the middle market that's tough. Right. So let's say that's your prediction in the next five or 10 years for success in this industry. Do you see the number of suppliers, the numbers of distributors dramatically shrinking? Ooh, dramatically shrinking. I see it shrinking, yes. Consolidating is right. you know, what I mean by shrinking. Yeah, um, no, no, exactly. Like I, sales up, but, but done by fewer people. Yeah, exactly. But just dramatic, I'm not sure how I could, how I want to think about dramatic. Well, or, or just shrinking period, right? We, I, we don't have to commit you to any yeah. particular prediction, but overall, right. the number of suppliers, the number of distributors will likely reduce because of consolidation or, or the middle market goes away because they 
are irrelevant in this either highly consultative, niche-oriented business or highly streamlined and online. It was interesting. I was listening to this interview between Jonathan Isaacson and Tim Andrews at the Power Summit. I wasn't there, but I listened to it on their Facebook page. And one of the comments that Tim made, and Alan, I know you were there, so, so you probably recall this, is that the industry would not be as healthy if there were a reduced number of suppliers and distributors. And I think in fairness, what Tim was saying is he said the industry would be terrible if there were only 50 suppliers. And I know that you're not, we weren't committing you to a specific number, but do you have any feedback or how might you respond to Tim's feeling that the industry might be less well served through a reduction in distributors and suppliers? Yeah, you know, I kind of agree with that also. So right now, what's the supplier count? between three and 4,000, right? I think that's what he said, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't see three or 4,000 suppliers, but, you know, maybe 20% less. Right. Still a lot of companies. I mean, right. you still need competitiveness in the marketplace. It still makes everybody better. It's still better, you know, for the consumer to have choices and selection and pricing and service options. It is with any type of retail. Yep. So, you know, I think that's what he means. It, it is healthier to have all those different options for a consumer. I do think the marketplace is going to consolidate, you know, also. So right, it's not right. going to be 2,000 suppliers. Yeah, exactly. I know, Alan, I've got maybe one or two other questions. I know I'd love uh, to give Dale the opportunity for uh, another question or two. And then, of course, we'd like to give you the, the ability for the last word as we end this off. So just wanted to give you a quick heads up on that. Which tech trends excite you and scare you the most? Maybe just give one or two on each side. Well, the same one excites me and scares me, yeah. and that's AI, artificial yeah. intelligence. Yeah. I think it's the coolest thing. There's a lot of technology coming out that's going to you know, help the lives of a lot of people. But at the same time, you know, it's like the movies. It's like when I'm in high school, I read 1984. You know, this, is, this is what's going on. It's, you, know, it's, you see the Terminator, and you see... You know, things that when they came out 20 years ago, is like, wow, look how interesting that is. But as you start looking now, if you're as old as I am and you've, you've read the books and seen the movies, everything that they can think of in Hollywood actually does seem to kind of, you know, happen. You know, I, I read somewhere not too long ago about Facebook, and I know some of it was blown out of proportion a little bit, but they had said how, you know, a couple of their systems developed a language between themselves and started some sort of a conversation. That, you know, they kind of said afterwards, you know, it was a little blown out of proportion. It wasn't really that bad. But, you know, there's there's things going on that's really cool and kind of scary at the same time. But, you know, that's progress. I think that's fascinating. I, I love AI and I'm personally challenged by grasping how it really does potentially exceed what we can train it to do, where it becomes to train on its own. So I, I'm personally fascinated by that. So you had said earlier that you've got some big things coming out in 2018. And, you know, in Promo Kitchen, we love to give the chance to spill your secrets to all of everyone here. So I'm sure you'd want to tell everybody what those big things are so they could hear it here first, right? Well, you know, we do consider ourselves here at Bell, an, you know, e-commerce and technology company. So Bell Promo, you know, the website's kind of dated and, you know, same website I pretty much had in 2010, 2011. So um, we're, we have big enhancements coming for the website. You know, the idea for our website is that we want to be, you know, this is kind of a cliche, you know, we want to be a partner, but we really want to be the partner for that group of distributor that 
needs services and that doesn't have the technology on their own. I mean, we, you know, if if you're in a marketplace where you're afraid of Amazon and you're afraid of the larger online type of distributors that that have the resources and the and the know-how and the technology that you don't have, we want to be there for you, and, and that's what we're gearing towards for 2018. You know, I'd mentioned about how our production is totally paperless and and seamless, and you know, it's really the coolest thing to see. Our goal, Sai kind of had mentioned it when he was at the Power Summit when he was on stage, but our stretch goal for 2018 is to be able to get an order in-house and out the door in three hours. We want to ship same day. Wow. So, you know, it's and you have to be able to get your art to a certain place. You have to be able to get your processing, everything to a certain place before that can happen. And we're getting there, you know. So it's exciting stuff, you know, what we're working on. And I love it. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's going in the right direction. Looking forward to 2018. Wow. I'm excited. You've got our curiosity up. I'm sure many of our listeners will be looking for that. So thank you. Alan, any closing thoughts that you would like to share with the Promo Kitchen community? It could be maybe some wisdom that you'd like to impart people with, or, or it could be as simple as where to contact you if people have got questions or concerns about what it is that you're doing. But I think that most, for the most part, it's going to be pure curiosity because I think what you guys are doing is really interesting and you're certainly leading the charge and doing some interesting disruptive things. So over to you, sir. What do you got? Well, um, wisdom is a strong word, so I'm not going to impart wisdom. But, you know, this is what I've done my whole life. You know, I, I'm a supplier. You know, we do a great job here. We, you know, we love our customers. We love what we do. I don't know if you could tell, but and we're not in person and there's no video going on. It's just, it's just talking. But I don't know if you could tell in my voice how excited I am. I mean, I love what I do. I love what this company brings to the table. We're moving in the right direction. We're moving fast. We serve, you know, a very important part of the industry, you know, and, and all of us, everybody at Bell Promo, they, you know, we come to work every day. We, you know, we talk in the morning. We're excited about what we're doing. We have plans. We, you know, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a great group of people. We're very transparent over here. I'll talk to anybody who wants to talk to me. Anybody wants, you can tell I talk a lot. Anyone who wants to call me on the phone, anyone who wants to send me an email, if a distributor or a supplier wants to come and visit us, we're open. I'd love to show you around. I'd love to show off what we do here. Sunny Florida, the winter's coming up. Anybody wants to get out of Toronto, maybe, or Maine, you know, very welcome to. Very Who welcome would want to leave Toronto Miami. or Maine? I, I don't know. I don't know. We really wanted to bring Alan to this podcast to have a conversation, a, a very real conversation about what Bell was doing in the market, address the relationship between them and discount mugs. And I think way more importantly to talk a, a little bit about what Alan and his colleagues are doing to really shake up the industry and to continue to grow. I mean, it's a company that's grown exponentially over the last several years. And Promo Kitchen's really all about uncovering these secrets to success and understanding the patterns of behavior that define success in this business. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.